Here we go, loopy loo. Here we go, loopy light. Here we go, loopy loo. All on a Saturday night. Hello, this is Luby with Luby's Lullabies podcast. I realised that by listening to some of my previous podcasts, I didn't actually continue with some more of the book that I wanted to discuss with you, which was The Passenger by Ulrich Alexander Boswich. And interestingly, today I read in the Sunday Times that the paperback is now top of their bestseller list. So it has had a huge following and not surprising really because of the actual content of the book itself and also the way and the time in which it was written and the story as I said before behind the book of the book as it were. Um, So I'm going to read you which I think is quite relevant um, the preface to this and it's by Andre Asiman. I think he wrote maybe the translation. I haven't got that uh, in my hand at the moment but anyway let me just read you this um, preface to the book itself. So, Berlin, just after Kristallnacht, Nazis everywhere, Jews being hounded, picked up, beaten and arrested. Their stores ransacked and vandalised. Every Jew in Greater Germany now terrorised. Not a shred of humanity or shame left in this wide country except in scant, totally insignificant gestures. The occasional tap on the shoulder. No worries, you don't look Jewish, or the unctuous but ultimately malevolent would love to help, but under the circumstance, surely you understand. Everyone, even people you once thought were your friends and partners, will fleece you or rat on you, or both. And if you call them out as the barefaced rogues they are, they'll only reply with the one infallible curse, Jew. You've become a swear word on two legs, and your only hope is that no one nearby heard it spoken because informants and plainclothes policemen are stalking everywhere, in trains, hotels, street corners, cafes. Anyone who looks at you is dangerous, and if he looks twice, you know you'd better scram. A third gaze can mean the unimaginable. You try to blend blend in, but as Otto Silberman, the protagonist of this remarkable novel, realises soon enough, you look most suspicious precisely when you're trying not to. This is 1938, and World War II hasn't erupted yet, but everyone knows it's coming. And though no one has the merest foreboding that what's about to happen will turn Europe into a slaughterhouse, Germany has already started its single-minded war against its Jews. The death camps haven't been built, but concentration camps are already fully operational. Yellow stars have yet to make their appearance, but it would help, says a waiter to Silberman, if Jews were asked to wear a yellow band on their sleeve to make it easier to spot them. Meanwhile, the German bureaucratic machine leaves nothing to chance. Your passport bears a loutish red J, and your phone may be tapped, and even if you have Aryan looks, your name instantly identifies you as a Jew. With the dragnet closing in, you realise you're trapped and have nowhere to go. And as for fleeing the country, well, you should have thought of that months earlier. Now it's too late. Germany won't let you out and other countries don't want to let you in. In the words of novelist Ulrich Boswich, for a Jew, the entire Reich has become one big concentration camp. So you're on the run in a state of panic-stricken paralysis, holding up in a series of improvised but bungled hiding places. When you stop to catch your breath in some spot that seems safe enough for a fleeting few hours, the question inevitably comes back, why didn't you flee when you could have easily done so? The answer couldn't be more galling. 
because you thought things weren't as bad as all that, because you continue to believe that this foul phase can't possibly last much longer, because you cling to the conviction that Germany is still a democracy, not a madhouse. In Silverman's words, we're in the middle of Europe in the 20th century, not some backwater where laws are the whims of the lawless. Surely this can't be happening. But of course it is, and Boswich mines the irony for nuggets of the darkest Kafkan humour, even as his even as his not-so-exactly-lovable hero insists on living according to middle-class conventions that have long since ceased to have any meaning. When the stormtroopers come knocking at his door, Otto Silberman manages to slip out the back of his comfortable bourgeois home, leaving behind all of his belongings, while his Christian wife helps hasten his escape. He has a decent amount of cash, he knows his way around, he could even pull a few strings, and a number of people owe him favours. Besides, all this is bound to blow over soon. After all, he served on the front in the Great War. He dutifully pays his taxes, runs a respected business in short, Otto Silberman is a thoroughly upstanding citizen. Of course, the fact that he doesn't look Jewish helps. When he boards a train, he is a sort of traveller who gives every indication of knowing where he is headed, and his fellow passengers feel free to engage him in conversation. A man with a Nazi lapel pin suggests they play chess. A um, stenotypist whose leftist boyfriend served time in a concentration camp confides her problems, and the estranged wife of a lawyer is happy to flirt with him. He listens to disgruntled miners and regales light-hearted soldiers. And so we too, um, where are we? Sorry. We too meet a cross-section of the populace regular Germans pursuing their everyday affairs, minding their own business, going about their lives with nary a care in the world. While his looks succeed in deceiving others, over time he begins to see he may simply be deceiving himself. A travelling Aryan speeds ahead, but as Silberman finds out, a Jew on the run hurtles and jostles his way about, follows one alleged escape route after another, but is basically buffeted by an evil wind, and if he survives the storm, which so many will not, he will likely wind up years later in another kind of camp for displaced persons. Meanwhile, here in 1938, Otto Silberman is already displaced, and he travels, and so he travels from Berlin to Hamburg, from Hamburg back to Berlin, uh, uh, and then from Berlin to Dortmund, Dortmund to Aachen, back to Dortmund, on to Kristen, Dresden, and eventually back to Berlin. With each phonetic trip in the first class or second class or third class, he ends up shedding one more of the delusions that have protected and prevented him from recognising the inevitable. He can no longer pass for who he always thought he was. The truth is, he is an ordinary human being. And so begins this remarkable tale um, called The Passenger, by Ulrich Alexander Boswich, and I talked about the author and his own story in my first um, broadcast on this book, and it is quite a fascinating story in itself, and I highly recommend it, as does um, many other um, journals and, and newspapers, as I said, uh, and I hope you find it of interest, uh, because it certainly does bring a different aspect onto the situation at that time in 1938 pre-war. So, <coughs> so, excuse me, thank you for listening. This is Luby at Luby's Lullabies podcast and I will see you and speak to you very soon again. Thank you.